some words of advice. If you want to see USC's first two football games, you better be at the Coliseum. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support. Thank you so much for being here. If you are watching on YouTube, do me a favor. Become a subscriber. It's easy. It's free. Hit the red subscribe button. Hit that like button. Both mean a whole heck of a lot to the show. And because Locked On USC comes at you five times a week, Monday through Friday, there's that bell notification. If you hit it, you don't miss an episode. And this episode of Locked On USC is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com forward slash Locked On today and you can get started. So if you're not at the Coliseum for USC's first two games, they open their first three games of the season at home. But if you're not at the first two games, uh, you're probably going to be forced to have a friend who has the Pac-12 network because that's the network that will be airing the games. On Wednesday, the uh, three more games um, were times and kickoffs were released for USC's 2023 schedule, which now gives USC four games scheduled for fans to kind of set their schedules, set their uh, calendars, their alarms, whatever. USC is going to open their season with a 5 p.m. kickoff at home against San Jose State. Uh, That's week zero. And despite there only being a few college games taking place that weekend, that game will be on the Pac-12 network. Uh, One week later, USC plays uh, on the Pac-12 network again. Uh, This time, they host Nevada and John Jackson. This kickoff is going to be at 3.30 p.m. So, as I mentioned, the good news, USC plays three straight home games to open the season. The not-so-good news, uh, when Stanford visits uh, Los Angeles on September 9th, the third game of the year is going to kick off at 7.30 p.m. So at least if you can't be at this game, or if you choose not to be at this game, at least you'll be able to watch it on TV with Fox Network. So lucky you. Uh, what's as on a personal note, um, Game Three's kickoff is going to make my birthday, which is September 9th. Uh, it's going to carry over probably long until Sunday. Um, those games just take forever to end, and my workday just will not end until I've completed everything. So it'll be Sunday morning sometime. Anyways, uh, I told you about USC's game in South Bend before, uh, but just in case you don't remember, that kickoff is set for 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, and that game will be on NBC, or you can stream it on the Peacock Network. So here's a couple of things to talk about with with these first few games. Uh, first of all, just so everyone was aware, I was like, well, why is USC on the Pac-12 network? The Pac-12 network, um, those two games against San Jose State 
and Nevada, basically they fulfill USC's requirement to be a, when you're every team in the conference has to be on the network at least twice. That's the minimum. And because USC has only two non-conference games at home, they're going to use those games to fulfill that requirement. Now, um, just to kind of get that out of the way so everybody understands why USC is on the Pac-12 network twice. So unless SC like literally just goes into the tank, uh, every, one, every one of their other games will probably, more than likely, um, be on a TV network um, that you can get or stream. So maybe the Cal game uh, later in the year, uh, that game is sandwiched between uh, USC's two home games between Utah and UW, Washington. But depending on where Cal is and the interest in people wanting to watch USC up in Berkeley, maybe, hopefully not. But let's get back to uh, the first game because there's, as I mentioned, there's only a handful of uh, week zero games to begin with. But it's, again, it is San Jose State, so I get it. Um, the one positive, it's a 5 p.m. kickoff. As everyone who's from Southern California knows, it's typically it's pretty warm in August. Um, so that late afternoon start uh, is going to keep everyone in the shade pretty quickly. And if you're a fan of tailgating, like I am, you're going to get to have breakfast burritos and mimosas in the morning. And then uh, you get to start going carnivore on your favorite proteins uh, in the afternoon, whomever is in charge of the grill or the barbecue or whatever. It makes five o'clock kickoffs make for a almost a perfect day of football. You get there in the morning, you tailgate, you eat, you, you, uh, you have your favorite beverage, you watch the games on TV, and then about an hour 20 before kickoff, you start heading on in. Yeah. I'm starting to get that tailgate itch right now. <laughs> um, game two is Labor Day weekend. And this one makes no sense. This game kicks off at 3.30. Why? I mean, who cares that UCLA is kicking off at 7.30 p.m. against Coastal Carolina at the Rose Bowl? I don't. Do you? Here's what I would do. I would move the Arizona versus Northern Arizona game to the 3.30 st uh, start time on the Pac-12 network and let USC have that 7 p.m. Uh, slot. In other words, flip those two games. Because I'll be honest with you, even with the Pac-12 network's poor circulation subscriber, excuse me, subscriber numbers, I'll bet everyone USC will still get higher ratings than that UCLA Coastal Carolina game. Um, I mean, let's be honest, 3.30 on Labor Day weekend inside the Coliseum. Look, I've, I've seen days in hell that are cooler than the Coliseum on Labor Day weekend. I've been to a lot of those games. Um, it gets brutally hot. I mean, there, you can go back to the game against Purdue back in, I think it was 1997, over 110 degrees. I mean, you had band members being carried out on stretchers because they were passing out. And honestly, I probably shouldn't be complaining too much because I'll be up in the press box where it's air conditioned. I appreciate that. Thank you. I love it up there. I, I really love my job. But 
I still remember where I came from. I remember standing in the herd, sweating my, well, this is a family show. I was sweaty and uh, it was hot. So I just don't understand trying to have USC fans show up into the Coliseum Labor Day weekend for a 3.30 kickoff. And it's not like they have the option of the Pac-12 network. It's not that readily available. As far as that 7.30 p.m. kickoff against Stanford, again, if you're looking from a tailgating point of view, you get breakfast, you got lunch, you got dinner, tailgate. Um, <clears throat> again, and that's only if USC goes back to being a fan-friendly uh, type of place on game day and lets people come in early. Yeah, we'll see if we can get over that hurdle. Anyway, uh, USC and Stanford, they opened the Pac-12 conference slate against each other again. And I'll say it again, I hate these late kickoffs. By the time I'm done working, it's Sunday morning. Um, so here, hopefully. Stanford, give me this birthday gift, please. Um, keep going to, uh, keep running the ball. Keep the clock moving. Hopefully you can, you know, keep the score down for you guys. Well, you're going you're gonna to attempt to keep the score down. Just keep, you know, anytime you go to throw the ball, just keep your incompletions to a minimum. And both teams play a disciplined game, no penalties. That'll help a little bit. Then we just have to deal with the TV timeouts. Bottom line, after those first three games, USC is going to be 3-0 when they hit the road. And they play their fourth game, which will be at Arizona State, on September 23rd. Now, hopefully that game doesn't start at 3.30 in the desert. Been there, done that. Um, but that game actually follows USC's first bye week of the year. If I was USC, I'd ask for that bye week after the ASU game so they can rehydrate. Um, because, again, USC has three bye weeks to open the season when you think about it. <laughs> No offense to San Jose State, Nevada, and Stanford, but USC should win those games handedly this year. You can bet on that. You should bet on it. You should go to FanDuel and bet on it. It's time to make your fast break to FanDuel. The NBA playoffs, they're here. Actually, the finals are here. It's set. Miami versus Denver. And because you're, you're going to be a new customer, you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to 2000 $500. Yeah. Let me repeat that. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. What makes FanDuel so cool? Number one, they have great promotions every day, like the one I just told you about. They also have a very safe and secure app that's really easy to use. Plus, the best part about this whole thing, you get paid instantly. Literally, there is no better place to bet all of your playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com forward slash locked on, and you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So before I get into the athletic director search part of the show, I'm going to come at you with a little bit of a different angle on that here in just a second. Make sure you stick around and listen to the third segment. You always do, but I'm going to go off 
on it. I got a few words for Nick Saban. Stick around. Anyways. Um, Lincoln Riley. How big of a seat should he have at the interview table for USC's next athletic director? I had a special request from one of my uh, viewers. He says, Mark, give me your take on this. I said, not a problem. Here's my take. When you have, it's a guesstimated estimate, and it's, I, I feel very safe saying the number, $100 plus million invested in your head football coach, you can consider that person is probably pretty important and deserves it at the table when it's time to choose his next boss. And as backward as that may sound, because it's, it's, it, it's not something I totally, completely agree with. I don't think employees should be hiring their boss. I understand it. Uh, but keeping Lincoln Riley smiling is probably a good thing. So... Yeah, I think he's going to have a say, regardless of my opinion on this. Uh, because I do agree that keeping Lincoln Riley happy and smiling is a top priority. But how much input should the football coach have over not only his boss, but each of his peers' bosses, too? I mean, we're talking about Andy Enfield, Lindsey Gottlieb. Andy Stankowitz, Quincy Watts, and so on. Here's what I would tell each of those coaches. As long as, as long as the football program is the straw that stirs USC's cocktails, Riley gets the seat at the table with the big boys. But, hey, don't worry. You guys are going to get some input, too. Write down your suggestions on a piece of paper. Give them to me. I'll make sure you're well represented. Obviously, I'm being a little sarcastic. Point being is, uh, I don't think Lincoln Riley should get the last say with a thumbs up or a thumbs down. But the next athletic director has to be football friendly. I think everybody agrees with that. And that person really has to have an understanding with the football program's relationship with the school and the symbiotic relationship they have with each other. Um, the next athletic director has to be someone that Riley is going to feel comfortable working with, kind of like he did with Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna. And I'd love for, I think I mentioned this before, um, I would love, I don't think it'll happen, but I would love for Lincoln Riley to make a call to his buddy in Oklahoma the Sooners athletic director, Joe Castiglione. Um, if Riley was able to convince him to leave Norman, Oklahoma and become USC's athletic director, at that point, Lincoln Riley is going to need, and his family would need an armed escort anytime they left their home. Yeah, that would probably uh, create a giant sinkhole in the Panhandle area of Texas. So here's what the point I was trying to make. Here's what the next athletic director has to fully understand. When USC football is riding high and winning, uh, not just winning, but winning national championship trophies and Heismans, donations, 
are really easy to come by at USC. It's almost like USC fans, alumni, they'll, they'll just walk up to you with my wallet and say, take my money. Not really, but they're much, will they're much more willing to write a check. And you, you'll even see an uptick in the regular academic students who are willing to spend the rest of their lives uh, paying back those student loans just so they can go to USC and, and hang out with the uh, with winners. And it's not, this isn't just a USC thing. Any, any school that is doing well in football, they, they tend to see an uptick in interest in the school itself. So with that, this is why I have the opinion that, yeah, Lincoln Riley needs to be at the big boy table. He needs to have a major say in who USC's next athletic director is going to be. Um, whether that person is male, female, doesn't matter. Um, bottom line, have a good relationship with your football uh, coach. Make sure he is satisfied. And then everything else will kind of fall into place. The dominoes will, will know exactly which way to fall. However, um, the last thing USC needs... <coughs> is to have any type of uh, environment where your head football coach has all the leverage and say, you know what? Hey, I can get hired anywhere else if I, you're not making sure that the program is being taken care of. So I'm not saying that he should uh, hold the program, you know, hold the school hostage or negotiate from that level, you know, from that standpoint. Nevertheless, yes, Lincoln Riley needs to have a major say in USC's next athletic director. All right, let's talk a little USC recruiting. We got some visits coming up this weekend. I told you I was going to talk a little bit football recruiting. So um, if you're not aware, I'll remind you. I've talked about it. The first June recruiting weekend is almost here it's going to be this weekend coming up and here are the names that are scheduled to visit always remember when you're not making locked on usc your first listen every day you're heading on over to wrsc.com where i do some of my writing or i do all of my writing and where we keep you covered with recruiting and a whole bunch of other stuff and we've got a really cool subscription special going on right now 29.99 will take you all the way through the end of August or 99.99 a month. It's up to you. Anyways, as far as the recruits, um, when the first June recruiting weekend arrives, which will be Friday, uh, and I start telling, I'm going to go over the names that are, um, that are planning, to, that are scheduled to be there. This is when the, the rubber kind of hits the road and momentum really starts to pick up. For starters, uh, the number one running back in the country uh, by at least two recruiting services, Taylor Tatum. Uh, he's already been to USC twice, by the way, unofficially. He will be at USC on his official visit. This one's going to be interesting. Uh, this, as of right now, I think this is considered a USC versus Oklahoma race. 
So if USC can secure Tatum, uh, this would be a huge step towards USC eventually passing Michigan and Ohio State in those final recruiting rankings. Remember, I said this is possible. I talked about this on a previous episode. You should go check it out. Keep in mind, though, um, USC already has their eyes, you know, they have their set, their eyes set on a, on a few um, elite running backs. And they already have one committed, Brian Jackson. I'm going to throw you a little WRC nugget right now. Uh, Marshall Levinson, who uh, has joined the, the staff, he, uh, he helps out Scott Schrader with recruiting. He has several reasons to believe that uh, four-star running back Nathaniel Palmer out of Decatur, Texas, will end up in USC's class following his visit. Marshall gave him a recruiting prediction at a 70% confidence rate. He'll be taking his official visit the uh, weekend of June 16th through the 18th, and he's already been out to USC unofficially as well. If you want to find out why Marshall feels so confident, head on over to WRC. You'll understand why. Uh, this week, we'll also have a couple of the top cornerback prospects in Southern California. They're going to be getting USC's best sales job uh, when they take their visits this weekend coming up. Both Xavier Brown and Dakota Fields. Oh, and by the way, momentum seems to be back in USC's uh, favor with the Sarah product, Dakota. So we'll see what happens after this weekend. Is uh, Fox Crater, the offensive lineman out of Vancouver, Washington. He's currently committed to Oregon. He's going to be in L.A. this weekend on his official visit. Is he on flip watch? Never know. Keep your eyes open, ears. Listen carefully. I mean, he's committed to Oregon. Why take an official visit to USC, right? Another offensive lineman, Isaiah Garcia, uh, big guy from Magna, Utah. He will be on campus this weekend. And then you got a couple of guys from Georgia who are going to be tripping together. Uh, Walter Matthews, the four-star tight end, and Cameron Fountain, the four-star rush end. So nice to have a couple of guys from the same area coming out together. And there's a really big offensive line guy in Modesto, California, that right now he's favoring Florida State. Uh, his name is Manasi Ititi, Atiti, I-T-E-T-E. Six foot five, 290 pound tackle. First of all, why is a young man from Modesto, California, which is essentially Central California, interested in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll see what happens after this uh, after this visit, if any, if he shows any more interest in USC. Got to get him on campus first. We'll see what goes from there. All right, so there you go. There's your recruiting visit update for um, this episode of Locked on USC. You're I'll have more as we get closer. I'll always have recruiting updates for you. But wanted to make sure I, I squeezed in at least one football update for you with regards to recruiting this week. Might have another one for you before the end of the week. All right. So I asked you to stick around. 
I told you I had a few words for Nick Saban. Well, it sounds like Coach Saban is whining again. If you remember last year, it was Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. They were paying players to come to College Station. Look, we all know Coach Saban is a very competitive person. He hates to lose. I hate to lose. I'm a competitive person, too. But here's the thing that Nick is starting to realize. His own players can now afford to pay for their own cars without having to go through his own Dodge dealership. It's kind of a, it's been a running joke for a long time. If you were to go check out the Crimson Tides um, parking facility that their, uh, their practice facility uses, it looked like a Dodge Charger showroom. I mean, every player had one. It was crazy. Coincidence? Sure. Anyway, um, for some reason, Nick Saban now has a site set on Lincoln Riley, and more specifically, um, USC. Nick um, is concerned that USC has an unfair name, image, and likeness advantage over other programs like Alabama because they're located in places like Tuscaloosa. <clears throat> Saban was trying to make his point and he brought up USC um, when he was talking about NIL, the climate and, you know, has it created parity? Quote, you think parity is here? I think the way Southern Cal, Texas and Texas A&M are spending money it hasn't hit yet. What are you willing to spend? End quote. Basically, what Saban is accusing USC of doing is spending so much NIL money that it's, uh, it's given USC an unfair advantage over other schools. <laughs> hey, Nick. I know you coached the Miami Dolphins for a minute before you ran back to college when you truly found out what parody was all about. So maybe that's the reason why you left the Miami Hurricanes uh, out of your mouth when you're making these comments. Oh no, are you in your, in John Ruiz BFFs from your days back in Miami? Because USC is not handing out blank checks to high school recruits like those other programs you mentioned and Miami. What USC is using is her location to lure players away from you and your whiny, woe is me attitude to come play at USC. Some of you might remember Nick Saban cried. Well, he was upset. He whined when Pete Carroll was running the USS Trojan battleship. Uh, he was complaining that, you know, Pete Carroll was recruiting too hard, too much. This is why head coaches don't recruit on the road during the spring anymore. Only the assistants. It's because Nick, uh, he didn't want to work as hard as Pete Carroll was working. So, look, Nick Saban likes to talk a good game about parity, but he doesn't really want it either. He liked it the way it was. He liked the rules the old-fashioned way, where he could, you know, SEC did everything under the table, nobody bothered them. Everybody got the players they wanted. They had an advantage. That was the parody that Nick Saban wanted. 
this is what Nick Saban also recognizes. He knows that once USC starts rolling again with momentum, it's a hard program to stop. I mean, you look, it, just go back to when Pete Carroll was running things. It took a couple of lying witnesses, Paul D., the athletic director from Miami, and the NCAA to derail things. So when you couple a winning USC with NIL, and then you Nick Saban's looking even further into the future, oh, USC is going to have a bigger and richer TV deal too, and they're moving to the big conference, that spells disaster for teams in the SEC and the ACC and everyone else. All of a sudden, Saban kind of sees himself stuck in quicksand um, while, again, as I mentioned, as SC kind of moves into the big conference with a ton of momentum, both recruiting and with the portal. So all of a sudden, you know, Nick Saban realizes, hey, I can recruit players to sell Dodge Chargers for me and my, you know, dealership, or, you know, players can, you know, transfer to USC. They can get a penthouse view from downtown LA, get some cool networking opportunities like Caleb Williams and Barry Alexander and Trey Quan Figgins from Alabama are experiencing now. And you can understand why Nick Saban probably feels the way he does. So, until the next episode of Locked on USC, which will come at you tomorrow, everyone, you know what to do.